podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hi all. In today's episode, Jonathan Hilsden was our guest and he joined us to talk about his journey in sobriety and about what it means to face yourself and to look inside and to deal with all the very complicated things that are there, but what it means for our healing and for our wholeness as we grow. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Everybody. Hey. How are you? Oh, that was that Australian? No. No, we don't know. It was silly. Yeah, silly is what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Welcome to In the Thicket. So, if you just heard a a guy's voice, if you're not watching on YouTube, we have a very special guest today, Jonathan Hilston. Hey, Jonathan. Yay! Um, He did jazz hands. That was good. I did jazz hands. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so guys, we have Jonathan today and I, we, so we always try to start off with something fun and I was like, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, we should talk about sports because I am a big basketball fan as everybody knows. And mm-hmm. right now we're recording this in summer and like everything, it's like playoffs and finals. And, and then I asked these ladies, I was like, can we talk about sports? And they were like, uh, and then, and then we're like, yeah, we can, because the Habs are playing and we all have a stake in the game in some way. Either you hate them because you're a Leafs fan or you love them because you're Canadian. No, that's, that's ridiculous. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are definitely different philosophies on that one. Um, yeah. There's there's the people that are diehard. They're like, no, you can't go for the Habs no matter what, especially if you're a Leafs fan. Mm, uh, right. And then there are those of us, and I think that's probably most of us It's in yeah. Canada, we're like, oh, a Canadian team's in the final. Please have a Canadian <laughs> yeah. team win. You know, and but yeah. yeah, there are some purists out there that are like, Nyeh. Yeah, yeah. I like that noise a lot. Yeah, that reminds me of Monty Python or like the knights that say, Yeah, I'm a bandwagon person, I'm on every bandwagon. So, you would, from watching me at a final game of something, you would never know that I am a bandwagon person because I can pick, I got the lingo, I've got you know, like. Well, I just want to say that right now I'm supporting the Phoenix Suns and I really want mm. them to win the championship because I love, I mean, obviously the Raptors, but they're not, they're yeah. not a factor right now. So what do yeah. you do? And also I love, I do like Chris Paul, who's one of the, who's a point guard. Mm. And I love Monty Williams, who's the coach, yeah. who's a Christian and he has an amazing story. So if you are interested in basketball at all or not even, mm. but you know mm. what, you guys should check it out because the story of this team is absolutely as good as the basketball like their their coach like lost his wife like three or four mm. years ago and he gave us like super moving like i got really deep into his life because he's really really cool and mm. yeah he just gave this amazing like moving um eulogy i guess at his wife's mm. funeral to his kids and he said this thing where i was like this is amazing actually should, this is appropriate for our podcast i was general. gonna say we should have him on <laughs> well, right well that would if he would agree mm. to be on our podcast i don't even know that'd be crazy wow yeah we should try it but yeah he said to his kids he was like we're gonna be okay we're going to be okay because god works good for for those like all things mm. good for those who love romans him. 8 like, 28 right nice. on the day of his wife's funeral like he said that to his yeah. kids with so much conviction like on yeah. that day and the the, the the like whatever the church they were in was like packed full of like you know nba players and coaches yeah. and like wow. like what a witness he's he's awesome anyways i just reminds me of the song you know it is well with my soul Yes. You know, it was written by a man who lost his wife and kids in, a, I guess it was a shipwreck or something like that. Yeah. Mm. And it was just, it was just his life. I mean, just losing everything and writes that song. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we went deep in sports. Yeah. We went, you know, you can't you know, like sports, guys. Sports is yeah. a deep, it's a deep place. You, you yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're but well, that's not what we're talking about. But this episode is about me and my story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So no. introduce yourself. Yeah, but really, the, you know, tell us a little bit about your faith journey, who you are, a mm. bit. Okay. People. Well, um, I guess, I guess I don't have to say I'm Jonathan. Um, you can actually, I mean, if you're watching this on, uh, you know, on video, you can literally see my name right on the screen. That's fun. Um, I am 36 years old. I was born in Jerusalem in Israel. I was raised there and only moved to Canada when I was 26. Um, and I'm so that now I've been here about 10 years. So that might be a little confusing to people uh, listening, it's just like, well, he has no accent, this, that, and the other. And if you see me, I don't look Israeli. It's because I'm not. Um, my my parents are Canadian. My dad's from Ontario. My mom's from Alberta. And they moved to Israel uh, to do ministry almost 40 years ago. Uh, so about a year before I was mm-hmm. born. And uh, and they've been there ever since. My dad's a pastor of a, of a con- congregation there. And, uh, and eventually I moved to Canada myself. So most of my family is still there. Uh, I have family all over really, but, um, I guess that's a start. Yeah. That's me. I'm Jonathan, but let me, uh, you guys want me to unpack a little more, don't oh, you? Oh yeah. Okay. Unpack yeah. It. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the story. I thought you guys were like, wow, people were like, that was great. <laughs> that was a great, all right. Yeah, great, thanks guys great, for joining great to listen. So yeah, I was, I was really raised with, uh, awesome, awesome faith. My parents were awesome and, and taught me to to love the Lord and I made a decision as a as a young young child that uh, I wanted to follow Jesus. I mean, I guess I didn't understand it as deeply, but it was still a, you know, an earnest commitment um mm. that uh that's important. It counts, you know. It means something. So, um and I've seen the Lord just work in my life um ever since then. And uh when I was in my mid 20s, I discovered this thing called the Catholic Church. Um which <laughs> Of course, I'd heard of it uh, before that, um, but I, I wasn't I wasn't too drawn to it. I'd never really considered it. I wasn't raised, you know, even though I was raised Christian. Some people in the Protestant world are kind of anti-Catholic. That that really wasn't how I was raised. But it was it was just something that I, that I would never have thought about unless I had a friend who was Catholic and unless I was actually curious and wanted to understand it more. Mm-hmm. And I think what really what drove that desire for me is is maybe I think you know it's all through grace the Lord put on my heart like His prayer you know that they'd all be one mm. and and so it was a bit it was hard for me to understand why why in Christianity that there were a lot of denominations and and then I started asking questions like why but by what authority where does the Scripture come from and everything just a lot of questions and I spent like a year just reading a lot of books. I don't know. I mean, 20 to 30 books on church history, the uh, patristics, you know, the church fathers, um, just apologetics in general, and, and eventually, you know, came to the conviction that I, that there, that Jesus really did establish a church with a real authority and I, be, I should be in it, you know, and uh, without understanding all the implications, maybe at first of, of maybe the, the doctrinal distinctions, mm-hmm. um, but but kind of one by one, especially when it just came to, you know, through reason, but also through you know an ascent to authority. Even if I don't completely mm-hmm. understand, came to the conviction that that this is 
this is true. This is the fullness of truth. And I, and I got to go there. So uh, that coincided with me moving to Canada. I think it was a bit hard in Israel at the time because I wanted some community um, in, in the church. I had a lot of Christian friends that were awesome, but, but it was a bit, I can't blame them. It was hard to kind of understand me at the time. Like, what's, mm-hmm. what's this thing? We didn't know that many of them where I was, uh, Catholics. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and the ones I'd met, you know, which, which I think is the story for a lot of people would, would be people who are, I would say maybe ethnically Catholic mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, if, uh, if you're Italian, maybe you've been baptized Catholic or, mm-hmm. or, or Polish or various, uh, but, but it didn't see really evidence of, of, uh, of a real faith that would, mm-hmm. would have made any sense to me. But, but then I started meeting awesome people and, and that's when I moved to Canada and um, yeah, I've been involved in ministry in one way or the other. Uh, you know, deeply connected in, in the church uh, since then. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, how, is, that a, is that just kind of a good start to, uh, <laughs> to like who I am before we get into some of the nitty gritty? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, you in Canada too, like you, so like you made this huge journey to the church and then, but then mm-hmm. once you were in, it wasn't like you were just like, I'm Catholic and I'm going to yeah. live a life. Like you have actually you've been like a missionary and you've done mm-hmm. so tell us like a little bit about that part of your you know your journey in canada i guess as a yeah. catholic yeah mm-hmm. for sure so i mean when i first moved uh to canada i was looking for a job i was working in the tv industry in well in news uh specifically right before i came to canada but i really didn't like it i i was thinking about a new career path and trying to figure out what that would be but you know what the opportunity came up still to work in in my field and uh if people have heard of you know salt and light television catholic tv station in toronto uh, that was based out of toronto still is i believe and i uh I got a job there um, working, you know, as a cameraman, editor, you know, master control. And there were just, there were awesome young people there, you know, awesome young faithful Catholics who just welcomed me and, and I found community really quickly, which was really cool. Um, about three years after that, I, uh, I met some uh, people from Catholic Christian Outreach or CCO uh, because they had, they had started doing ministry at Ryerson. And although I was way past university age, I was closer in age to the to the missionaries themselves that and I got to know them well. And they encouraged me to go to Rise Up, uh, you know, that conference that maybe some of our listeners might know about. Um, it's a pretty great conference put on by CCO uh, over New Year's um, mm-hmm. every year. And, mm-hmm. and I was blown away just, just by the quality of the ministry uh, that they were really making that big ask, you know, putting that challenge mm-hmm. out there for people to put Christ at the center and to live for him. And I hadn't really seen it sort of expressed in that language a whole lot since since becoming Catholic. Um, and quite frankly, that didn't bother me. I didn't care. But mm-hmm. but I think I had another kind of reversion to evangelical zeal uh, mm-hmm. there. And so I soon, you know, I think like less than a week after Rise Up, I applied because I knew that they were looking for, for somebody to work in communications. So I worked in communications there for four years in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome, awesome movement. I'm, I'm still a fanboy and a supporter. I love them. Um, uh, after that, I just I kind of discerned that I should try something a little bit different. So I started my video production service company 
company sounds fancy, but I mean, it was just me. I'm a sole proprietor, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> I made a logo and a website, so I guess I'm big time. Yeah. But uh, right. so I start, you know, for those, for a couple, you know, really why I wanted to do that is I wanted to use the skills I had and, and I and I found sort of a gap in in a lot of a lot of corners of the church uh, where uh, video production and just just like high quality media in general mm -hmm. uh, was either most most of the people providing those services were outside of the price point yeah. uh, you know it's just like well if I have to pay twenty thousand well we're just not going to do video right but right. because I because I had a lot of experience in end-to-end -end production you know the, yeah. the pre-production the writing you know the camera mm -hmm. work the lighting I just I I kind of knew it all to an extent. I'm not sure I'd say I have a master of any of them, but but well enough that I could serve clients at a price point that uh, that allows them to do high quality media. Mm -hmm. um, so so I did that for a couple of years. Uh, COVID hit, um, and right. I actually survived by the grace of God. I didn't. Um, I you know I didn't have to rely on on some of the you know like CERB or or, uh, mm -hmm. or EI or anything like that. So. The Lord provided opportunity, mm. you know, opportunities there too. Even even as more parishes are moving into live stream, I got more clients to help set up live right. streams and things like that. So uh, that was okay. But but you know, this whole time, I really got into video production as um, I kind of I was in my early twenties and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I never knew what I wanted to do. You know, I was scared in high school. It's like, I don't like anything. So I don't think any job in the world is fun. Like, how could anybody work for a living? Like, working sucks because I, th I didn't like school. I didn't, you know, I mean, it was hard for me to imagine, like, enjoying being productive. And mm. even through these those 10 years of, like, video production, there's, like, there's a part of me that's just like, ah, not quite, you know, it's, it's, it's a grind. I'm not... I, but I was passionate about the message, right? Mm -hmm. It was a skill that I had, and I was passionate about the message more than the medium itself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like if you didn't pay me, I never take my camera anywhere. Like you know, those, mm -hmm. those people that love it, they take their drone and go shoot things, and they take their camera into right. the woods and shoot things. Yeah. I didn't like it enough <laughs> to do that, honestly. Which was which probably would means I'd have a ceiling as far as my skill set, you know, as far right. as my mm -hmm. my abilities. So uh, that's just. Yeah, but an opportunity came up recently, and that's why I just moved to Halifax, um, because um, St. Benedict Parish, um, which, you know, I think it's a bit more well-known of a parish because um, the Divine Renovation um, oh, yeah. Organization, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, with, for parish renewal, uh, was birthed from, from this culture here, from this ministry with Father James Mallon. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the first parish I ever saw that was hiring a full-time music person. Mm -hmm. So music was really where my heart was was at, you know, the, the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved, you know, over the years, you know, leading worship and and uh, in playing, you know, playing guitars and different instruments for people, uh, or well, for the Lord, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I just it, it just seeing that they were, you know, looking for somebody full time, and uh, I was just like, yes, like I, mm -hmm. I, I. You know, in fact, my dad, I remember I remember my dad saying, um, I think right before I came to Canada, and I don't think yet he was aware that I was becoming Catholic. We had that conversation later. But he said, you know, you can go to Canada. And, you know, if you're moving yeah. to Canada, there's a lot of churches are looking for people who can who lead worship, you know, go apply for those jobs and whatever. I'm thinking to myself, I'm becoming Catholic, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, you know, I mean, right. the odd cathedral might hire, a, yeah. you know, a choir director, right. you know, but right. that's not that's not me. Uh, but yeah, this parish was hiring, so uh, looked into it, interviewed. It was it was the right fit. So I uh, came out here uh, about two months ago, and I love it. 
That's it's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Halifax rocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's so cool. So this is uh, this is awesome. So now is the point where we where we <laughs> ask you to go into the center of your heart and tell us the most painful <laughs> things. Mm, <about> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Um, right. Well, okay. This is the reason why I thought it was important for you to share all that stuff mm. because, like, you've had yeah. an incredible journey so far with your faith and with like your creative skills and like all this this kind of stuff, but. It, you know, and I feel like this is so important because sometimes as, as Catholics or even just people, we, we have mm -hmm. like the resume of our lives and it looks amazing and it is mm -hmm. amazing, but we all go through crap and like real, really hard stuff, you know? And mm -hmm. so while you were doing all this amazing stuff, you were also dealing with a bunch of really serious trials and challenges, including mm -hmm. this journey with sobriety. And so I was yeah. wondering if you could share how those parallel, you know, like how, yeah. how did that come into your life and, and how did your faith impact that journey? How has your faith been impacted by that struggle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I'm ready to go there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually, no, I can, I think I can speak about it. Uh, I, I've been pretty open about it for a while, so it's not like I'm digging somewhere where I haven't dug before. So mm -hmm. this is okay. Um, well, it's it's interesting because when I when I've talked about my journey to um, to make a decision that I need to avoid certain things that are otherwise not sinful, but mm -hmm. but um, they're they're ways that I would self medicate uh, some of my bigger problems. I'm speaking specifically about alcohol at this point. Mm -hmm. um, people would ask, well, was that before you, you know, before you put Christ at the center of your life? Was that, was that before you had your conversion? I'm like, no, that was, that, that was a, that was an issue far after I, you know, made a commitment and I, and I never really left faith. You know, there's always doubts growing up and there's, and there are always challenges and in, in times in my life where I am, I am living more virtuously than others, but it was, I was certainly following the Lord, you know, uh, and, and he was at the center of my life. Yeah, he's, you know, but there were certain areas even through that, um, that were a real struggle. So, um, a bit of, a bit of context going back, I think around when I was even before 18, so I was in, in high school, um, depression was a real, real, uh, challenge in my life, you know? So I just remember as a kid, you know, and maybe part of it was just that I didn't like school. Now I was actually decent in school and I, and I guess I didn't have to work too hard to do well, but, but I just, I just felt this pressure to always succeed and I needed to do really well. I wanted to please the people around me, my parents, and I wanted people to be proud, you know, them to be proud of me. And so there was just an anxiety about life in general, about like the future, like, will I, you know, will I, uh, will I be successful? Will, you know, will I make people proud? Will I, yeah. you know, is, are things going to be okay? And that, those thoughts kind of mm -hmm. came early in my life. Um, and uh, it hit a real, uh, you know, a real kind of low point, I think when I was 18, um, where, where there was, there was a big, bigger experience of wanting, you know, just wanting my life to end. And um, I, you know, I don't know how to psychologize myself as far as, you know, was it a cry for help that I really want to die? I don't, the point was, mm -hmm. um, it was, it was horrible and I couldn't, I couldn't live life as it, you know, under the conditions. And I say conditions, not because they were external conditions so much as they were just interior, just what was going on inside. I hated the feeling I hated, mm -hmm. you know, I just did, I wanted that to go away and, um, started started drinking, which, which at the time was actually really quite innocent. You know, by the time I was 18, it was legal in, in Israel. And I, I had no qualms morally about, about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think 
what at first was just, okay, you know, uh, enjoy, just be able to enjoy life, which is a great thing. I, it wasn't long before I realized I couldn't quite feel at ease um, until there was a bit more substance in me, mm-hmm. uh, a bit more, a bit more alcohol to uh, ease the anxiety, you know, social anxiety or, or just general pain in life. And, um, and there were periods where, where I think I, I drank less or more, but it eventually kind of got to the point where I wasn't kind of like a drunk in, in the sense that I was, you know, dysfunctional and couldn't handle life anymore. Um, it, it was just the th- sort of, I averaged, you know, at least three beer a day mm-hmm. uh, or, or whatever it is, which a lot of, you know, if somebody is, you know, has a background in, in alcoholism, might might say, well, that's really not, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not a big deal. And so may, maybe not because my issue wasn't like I was letting my life get destroyed and I'd, and I'd end up on the streets. It was really um, that I couldn't, I couldn't function emotionally without taking the edge off. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't have one drink and stop. It just, it just wasn't something I could do. So, um, praise be to God. Like at some point, um, I was seeing a counselor, a great, awesome, uh, Catholic man loves, loves the Lord in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And, um, I talked to him about it. I said, you know, this is, you know, I've thought about it. I thought about maybe trying to give this up cause I think it'll be good for my life. And, and, uh, and, he, you know, he says, you know, the, what, what you're describing sounds like you, you kind of have an unhealthy relationship with, with alcohol or with, you know, with self-medicating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it was nothing like, you know, you didn't have to use dramatic terms like, you know, am I not, you know, I didn't have to find out, am I an alcoholic? I'm in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was, it was more, you have this unhealthy relationship See, You know, he says, I'm going to challenge you to try to not have a drink until, until our next session. And mm-hmm. at the time we were meeting more frequently because it was kind of early in our sessions and, and uh, I needed a bit more help. So, mm-hmm. um, and the thought at the time was like going a day without, without having my standard three drinks or more was just like terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, but somehow just by the grace of God, I, I took him up on the challenge and, and for about four days, just pretty horrible headaches and just felt like garbage. And, and, uh, and eventually it was like, I can't believe I actually did that. I actually managed, but I'd still, every evening I'd be like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know mm-hmm. how to handle, handle this reality, this new, this new frame of mind here, you know, and people talk about it scientifically with neural pathways and, you know, basically it's complicated what we, you know, what habits do to us even, yeah. even, um, physiologically. So, um, yeah, you know, I managed to to go into the next session. He's like, "Cool, you want to try that again?" I'm like, oh, "Okay," <laughs> you know. But but honestly, since since before that session, I I just never had a drink. So you know, at first, I I just kept using language that was like, "I don't think this is possible." Like the you know, I've thought about to think I might never have another drink in my life. Mm. He's just he's just like you know, settle down, man. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. You know, uh, you know, don't think about that. Just just say I'm not going to have a drink today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so every day I just said I'm not going to have a drink today until I stop thinking about it, mm-hmm. and um, and that was that was about five years ago now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the what has happened in my life when it came to that that particular issue. And of course, we self medicate in other ways too. Like mm-hmm. when you when you quit one habit, like mm-hmm. excessive TV has been an issue. Uh, so sobriety, sobriety has more than, you know, one meaning really like in that, in that way, because you can, you can be sort of sober as in not intoxicated, 
but you can be completely emotionally absent, um, mm -hmm. which is a type mm -hmm. of, you know, lack of sobriety when you keep self-medicating with whatever it is that stops you from facing yourself mm -hmm. and, and, fa and living life on its own terms and accepting reality. Um, and that and that has continued to be a struggle in other ways, finding other ways to to not have to face the reality of whatever it is, like loneliness is hard. Um, mm -hmm. There's just all sorts of things, uh, yeah. you know, that uh, mm -hmm. that we go through. Right. So that's that's uh, that's my journey. Um, and um, it's ongoing, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I resonate so much. I think I think it's good for those who have, you know, like substance abuse struggles or things like that, like it's a, it's good not to kind of equivocate and say that, mm -hmm. you know, all, yep. all is necessarily as destructive as the other, um, or potentially anyways, but at the same time, it's so true what you say about like self-medicating and how, how it's like, cause I've definitely found that myself, like, yeah. like, um, you know, like I want to not watch TV. Like I don't want to waste my life. Basically, this is the thing. Like I don't want to waste my life doing these things that I know are not good for my relationship with God. They're mm -hmm. not like good for my productivity. They're not like things like that. But at the same time, they serve this kind of need in me or this place in me. Yeah, for distraction or for like for me, I find it's a lot of like distraction um, mm -hmm. because like for me with chronic illness that's one thing you know of like some being distracted from like thinking about if i'm in pain or something like that um but at the same time yeah there's definitely that like a desire to not go to those things as because i want the lord to be my medication right like mm -hmm. i want that but it's not but then i can see all the ways where he's not my medication you know but i desire right. him to be my medication so how have you like what does that look like for you or how has it kind of how have mm. you experienced like that that change or that growth you know yeah well you know one of the one of the prayers is you know for me is like lord i i want you not emotionally but my you know i'm i'm willing to want you more and so i want you to make me want you more mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so it's that kind of you know it's that dynamic of like I can't make myself feel certain ways. I mean, I guess we do we do have some control, of course, just with our, you know, whatever, diet and exercise, behavior, sleep, you know, all these things to like, to allow us to be more at peace, allow us to be more whole. But there's certain things that, that we just, we can't make ourselves do or think or feel, mm -hmm. um, you know, to feel fulfilled, to feel, really to feel what the beatific vision, vision is, you know, like mm -hmm. really what we want like our you know our hearts are made for him and, and we're restless until we rest in him right mm -hmm. so i you know i want him but i'm but when i'm when i for whatever you know for all multiple reasons i can't i can't bring myself to seek him um and but i still want the the results which is perfect mm -hmm. love perfect peace and and if i'm not if I don't sense I'm receiving that in full consolation through prayer and just through a good life of virtue, you know, just following the Lord and, I, and being at peace with that, um, being at peace with the reality that I live, um, I'm going to try to get that beatific vision. I'm trying to get heaven on earth in ways that in, in through, I guess, worship of the creation rather than the creator, mm -hmm. you know, finding, you know, finding the other things, the idols and in one of those idols, you know, at least for me, 
um, was to, in order to get that feeling was to get that to sense that reality the beatific vision was you know numbing numbing all my negative emotions and senses with alcohol mm-hmm. um, and yeah the journey the journey has been has been actually learning to live learning to to be okay with okay in a sense um mm-hmm. I think it was uh, the same, the same, uh, you know, therapist that I was speaking to, uh, you know, about about the the alcohol issue. Um, I, I was talking to him as like, you know, I can't, I just can't sit, um, you know, in my room and or at home without without the drink and feel okay, you know. And and we'd also talked about like when, you know, I started observing when is it when I don't feel okay? When is it when I feel disconnected, you know, or or whatever, you know, um, and I said, you know what, it's actually after I've been like at a big party with a lot of people and I feel like I never really connected to anybody, mm. you know, I'd be driving home afterwards and being like, my soul wanted, wanted communion. It's wanted, it mm-hmm. wanted depth. It wanted and quite, you know, and actually quite in two ways, it wanted marriage. It wanted it. There was, you know, a lot of us young single adults going to, you know, going to events. There is that hope, like maybe there's somebody there that I'm going to connect to, and then we're going to get a romantic, <laughs> you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and and so there's 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 that desire there of hoping that maybe something clicks with somebody so that you'll be fulfilled. But they're all, but even that, even marriage is is an icon of of the love of God, mm-hmm. right? So we're still we're still looking for that, and um, that's yeah. that's how it'd be for me. It's I'm looking for that. I'm looking for divine marriage, like that depth of the Lord, but I'm also seeking it in in my sort of twisting my vocation to be to fulfill me in that way. And maybe if I just felt disappointed or felt like I wasn't, I felt a bit orphan like, like I'm not part of a family right now. You know, there's the, yeah. there was there were those feelings. And you know, I was challenged to just, you know, after something like that, maybe just sit on your couch for an hour and after, you know, and just deal with it, cry, whatever. And yeah. crying has actually been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, you know, just and just t- you just say to yourself after that hour, it's like that didn't kill me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that didn't yeah. kill me. You know, I I'm still here. You know, uh, and and what the amazing thing was is, you know, the, it it really is amazing. Just the tears, uh, they bring something. I don't understand yeah. it. I don't understand the gift of tears. I don't understand how. Just like physiologically crying, how that works. Like I'm, you know, there's water and salt coming out of here. Somehow I feel better. Like I don't, I don't get it. Sometimes out of the nose. Yeah. But I know. But I never thought of it that way. Yeah. yeah. But I know that not being dead inside is a good thing. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah. and you know, and I, and I say dead inside is a joke because none of us are really dead inside. But mm. that's not how God made us. Like, yeah. But but um, but yeah, when you feel like it's not. Good. We were joking about it earlier, just like, oh, those deep emotions, just keep them down there. That's not good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, facing that has been has been really healing and embracing that and letting the Lord work through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What was hitting me as you were speaking was a lot of things, but but one of the things is just that, you know, when you're talking about alcohol, you're saying, okay, three drinks a day. It's not you know, in the grand scheme of things, or when you look at sort of a diagnosis of alcohol in the you know, official diagnostic criteria or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's maybe not there. Right. Um, and yet you were noticing, okay, this is something that's keeping you from living a fully real life, like being real with yourself and, and with whatever's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, you know, I was reflecting on my own life and especially when you talked about how you've been crying more, like tears more. And, you know, I think one of the things that, that I 
would say I've self-medicated with without even realizing that is like is school <laughs> is mm. like studying a lot. And I can, I can see this sort of turning point in my life from when I, um, you know, going from, from sort of obsessively studying all the time and kind of numbing, numbing other stuff that was happening without even realizing I was realizing I was doing that mm. to, to a switch where it happened when I was like, okay, I need to, I need to kind of live with this other part of myself. That's the not academic part, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was like two years ago. And that was when I decided, like, okay, I've like hardly dated in my life at all. I need to be open to this in my life. And like, this is, I mean, okay. I've just like cried so much since then. I'm not dating sound terrible, but like, it's, I feel, I felt also, I think just so much more alive, like, mm -hmm. okay, now the real stuff is coming up and that, and it takes so much time. Right. But I'm like, I've, I've embraced sort of crying almost daily as just something that I don't know. It's just, if there's something happening there, like you say, whatever, whatever it is, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's important because there's, you know, there's so many, you know, any, any age of people, but, you know, sort of young adults, I think, especially like there's, there's so much in our lives that, that can fill that, or that can give the illusion of filling the loneliness or filling or, or taking the stress off and that we might do those things. And it might look actually like something that's totally fine or healthy, but we're not actually fully alive. Um, and we don't realize it. Right. So I just think it's a great kind of um, just wake up call, but in a, not in a like bash you over the head yeah, wake up yeah. call, but just like, you know, like, Hey, like there's more, you know, we can be more alive. Thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, um, kind of, you know, pivoting off of that. Um, there's also the aspect of, even though it wasn't, I guess, extreme, like, cause it wasn't destructive to my life in the sense that I couldn't function, you know, with my job or whatever. Um, and even, you know, even once I took that away, certain things came like I, I, I was I became more ambitious and more believing that I can do, you know, that I can do things and and more, you know, marketable, I guess, as a as you know, in, in the workforce. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's there might have been those benefits, but, the, you know, to stopping. But what the real the real problems were lack of lack of connection. And and it's a vicious cycle because I feel the lack of connection and, and therefore I go to this. Uh, you know, this form of replacement, you know, or trying, trying to compensate for that. And, and the kind of irony is that it's, that it's the cycle, it's going the other way to where, to where I was not able to emotionally mature enough uh, during those years to really invest well in relationships mm -hmm. and to, um, and to connect properly to other people. Um, so I think now, I mean, there's providence. I don't understand God's ways, but you know, I am, you know, I'm 36 and single and, and that's, you know, not a crazy thing, but I, when I was young, I really, had, I had a strong desire to get married and, you know, I thought I would get married young and everything like that. Um, and so there was, there was that longing in my heart and I, the interesting thing is like with that, with that longing, but then this issue, um, it kept me from it. It didn't help my case. It didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help if I wanted to get married younger. Now, you know, the Lord's will, like his permissive will and, and, you know, he has his ways and in, in the way he's making it turn out the best with what's with what's happened. That's what he does. But I know I didn't help my own uh, journey towards seeking the Lord's will in my life vocation wise through that through those issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can't blame it on other people. It's It's really it was me. 
I could not be emotionally connected enough or committed enough to, to people, even, even friendships. Um, you know, there would be an aspect to where I, I wanted to be on the receiving end of emotional support without, without giving it. Mm. Um, and you know, what's, what's commonly said about people who, who struggle with, you know, sobriety in various forms, just even just addicts, you know, addict is a broad term, you know, there's, but, Mm. but basically people self-medicating or escaping is there is from the time that like you, you, you started in that where you started avoiding life, um, that kind of your maturity gets stunted at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, probably somewhere in my twenties, you know, was when, when it was just when this was my way, this was my way of life. I feel now since I've been sober, the real struggle has been is that I'm emotionally in my twenties, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a 36 year old man and I want, and I know I look young and all that, but, um, <laughs> the, but also You're I feel, it is <laughs> weird. Cause a lot of my peers who are my own age, you know, and, and have families and stuff. I just, I just feel little, you know, I mm-hmm. feel, you know, there's a, right. there's this aspect that the Lord's like right now, he's calling me to just like grow up you know, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have been able to grow up had I not gone through that and, and uh, made the decision to, to let God work on that area of my life, you know? Yeah. And so it wasn't, you know, if I kept drinking, I might've been fine. I would have, you know, I would have always had a stable job, everything like that. But the Lord wants us to move from, you know, you know, I guess St. Paul talks about like milk to meat, you know, mm-hmm. like we need to chew on the, on the greater things here. So, uh, for vegetarians, sorry, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like there's there's that there's that thing. It's like the things that would terrify me, resp- even responsibilities of like raising kids. I'm just like I could never do that because I'm I'm just yeah. a kid myself. And then just starting to realize, like mm-hmm. through sobriety, you know, the Lord is showing me. It's not. It's you know, I can't do anything without Him. Really, it's it's His. It's through His grace that I could. You know, so whatever his calling is for the future in my life, whatever, whatever the vocation or, you know, whether it's remaining single and um, do it for his glory, you know, yeah. and uh, and and grow and, and live that out, live that selflessness out in whatever voc- vocation it is. But uh, I don't think that would have been possible. Um, I would have just kind of stagnated at a certain mm-hmm. point in life and, and just never grew the uh, up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to me, like the like you talk about it, Nicole, and you talk about it, Jonathan, about um, emotions, you know, and just the ability to feel our emotions, Um, because there's there's a part of it that I think is wise in terms of the spiritual life that we don't let our emotions lead um, or or our, just our lives in general, that we don't just let our emotions lead everything because sometimes, because sometimes or a lot of times, even they're not rational, you know, like right. there's like we feel that and they're connected to things that we might have experienced in childhood or in other things, right? So, but they also, I think sometimes we go the opposite extreme where it's like we don't let our emotions tell us anything or we mm. don't like let them mm-hmm. be. And this is like part of the medicating, right? Is because then they're going to bring us back to these painful things or they're just painful like it's painful to be in pain that's the most profound mm-hmm. thing i've ever said mm-hmm. in my life it's <laughs> painful to be in pain but like oh, but it God. is true right so and the, and even how important like nicole has talked about this before rachel's talked about it you're talking about it like even in my experience in this last little while like working with the spiritual director that i have now and some of the things that she said like um like it, emotions are irrational or you know like um or like just 
allow yourself to feel this when mm. you're feeling this just mm -hmm. let yourself feel this mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's such a gift to have somebody to walk with you in in that or just even to like remind to remind us you know like that it's okay always mm. it's okay to feel what we feel yeah mm -hmm. it's kind well, of it's like, i call it like psalmist ther like psalm therapy mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's, you know just when you read the psalms it's just like well oh there's gosh, yeah. definitely not a stoic there you know yeah. Yeah. definitely yeah. facing it you know yeah. and we have a choice about what we do to act in that right yeah. like to yeah. act and to choose to like that's important and i don't think we can forget about that but but like the feelings yeah. themselves are feelings sorry again yeah. so profound <laughs> the feelings are feelings <laughs> the thoughts are thoughts <laughs> yeah well Erin, i remember when i was talking to uh to my therapist about about this too because i was like i don't i don't want to be driven by my feelings and you're trying mm. to let me talk about all these things now they're coming up and i don't like you know and what her her uh, response was she's like well like if you if you don't know what kind of feelings are there, they're gonna be driving you to do all kinds of stuff without even your consent or awareness. So mm. think it's only when you're actually able to look at them, face them, feel them, cry through them. Now you're actually able to be rational. You're right. able to choose what to do mm. with that. But if you don't let them come up, you're being driven into all kinds of stuff. You have no idea, right? right. So yeah. I right. think that's like you have to go through the stuff, and it's yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like the it, thing but... that I think I think that. Okay, feelings are not rational, but they are information. They are yeah. information. Mm. Like yeah. Yeah. They're, they're data. They're, they are data. And mm -hmm. I think when we ignore them, we don't have the whole picture. And, and we, we, that's exactly what you're talking about, Nicole. And I, I, but it's really hard. It's so funny because a lot, maybe on our, this call, all four of us are people who are maybe more comfortable with our thoughts than our feelings, <laughs> even though like I am a feeling person, like I'm such a, like I have really, and I think that's why maybe all of us on the call are like this, like my emotions are really high. I'm not an even keeled person. So when I respond to something interiorly, it's a really high response. But if, if most people that know me actually, like I'm a cheerful person, I'm like, like, but I don't actually have a lot of, I don't, I don't get angry very easily. I don't, you know, I'm not a super sad person, but I realized actually in the last probably five years of my life that I am on the inside. I really am. And mm -hmm. that's where kind of what you're talking about, Jonathan, in terms of self-medicating has totally come into play. For me, it's like hundred percent TV, you know, like, and I, mm -hmm. everyone who knows me in ministry or like in my life knows that YouTube, that have, <laughs> right? Like YouTube net, like I have all, and I have all the streaming still, like all my, you know, my drug of choice is like readily available to me all the time, <laughs> but it's like something that I've really been thinking about. So even as now, like if, I, if I'm watching something and I know I'm watching to avoid, and it's weird because it's not to avoid a situation. It's not to avoid a physical circumstance, but it's a hundred percent to avoid almost the irrational nature of what I'm feeling. Like I sometimes I'm like, why in the heck do I have this feeling? Like, I don't want to have this feeling, mm -hmm. you know, like get it out. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want it. Yeah. And so then I watch whatever I do, whatever. And it numbs that feeling. Cause I don't think I should have it to mm -hmm. begin with. So there's a lot of yeah, right. also like judgments that we have about how we yeah. feel. Yes. That totally. get, you know, that kind of stop us from actually as another seeing, layer. That's yeah, right. like just being yeah. brave and dealing with it and then actually moving on because because that's the thing. You never move yeah. on from the feelings that you end up numbing. They're still there. They're just, yeah. you know. Right. It's like you have, you know, right there's like the feeling and then there's the shame that I feel this feeling and mm. then we numb that. And so it's almost yeah. like the process is, okay, I have to, 
let myself take away the thing I'm numbing and then first feel the shame. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm ashamed that oh, I feel yeah. this feeling and, and feel that feeling. And then we can get to the other feeling, you know? That's based oh, on your growth forever. I mean, that's just gonna, if you keep repeating that over and over mm-hmm. again, you're not gonna move anywhere. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's gonna continue and it's gonna come back and it's gonna come back, gonna come back until you, right. until you move past it into something, you know, and then grow right. in another area of struggle mm-hmm. in your life, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just going to say the other thing that is, I've been thinking about is, you know, this whole idea that you went through this journey while you were in your relationship with the Lord, like doing all this missionary, like, and I think sometimes we have, because I, I mean, same with me, I don't, for me, I've never really been away from my faith, I would say, like, I had my big conversion moment in high school. And then I've just been with God in that sense, like ever since then. So it's not really been something that's fluctuated in my life, but I think we have this idea in our minds. A lot of times younger people like in university or in high school will see missionaries or will see people, you know, young adults in the faith. Like, yeah, like you've got to figure it Mm. out, (laughs) but it doesn't work like that. And I think that's really important for people to know, like discipleship is about entering into this messy stuff and like depending on our tendencies because some people like i'm similar to you where my tendency is more escape artist stuff and some people are more like you know workaholic or like mm. there's it which is also another form of escape but there's yeah. avoid there's all kinds of right so i think people it's good to for us to have these conversations to be like hey you know you might be in the lord but there's still stuff that we're missing and stuff that we need to work through and deal with. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's, you know, I mean, we wouldn't even need the sacrament, you know, the, at least the sacrament of reconciliation. If the, if the whole plan was, well, as soon as you're baptized, then you're you know, good. Yeah. Then you're yeah. good. It's like, no, the fact is we're, we're still, we, we still live with the wounds, you know, yeah. we're, we are wounded and, um, mm-hmm. and we're in the process of being restored to that, to that, uh, communion with the Lord. Right. And it's, that process is often messy. And if it, you know, if that doesn't happen now, it's still going to happen if we want to, if we want to spend eternity with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, purgatory um, or now. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to happen. You know, purification's mm-hmm. got to happen somewhere. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and in many ways, I think we can just tell through the experience of life is the longer you put something off the, the you know, the harder it is, you know, it's, Ugh, it can yeah. get really, really hard. <laughs> So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, my, uh, Jonathan, you said the word process a couple times talking about this is, you know, it's all a process because my vocabulary is small. (laughs) No, 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 you're fine. It's okay. (laughs) Okay, good. Oh, thank you. I was worried. Now I'm secure again. And that's what I need. That's really what I needed. Thank you. Um, no, my, my little sister. So shout out to Anna. Who sometimes hey, I don't listen Anna. to this podcast. Anna, when she's talking to me about just life and stuff, she always, almost always closes off with, it's just, it's just a process. And that's like her thing. <laughs> and so now that's what I think of whenever we're talking about this stuff and talking about the process. It's like, it's, it's just, I can't even do it right. We'll have to like get her to do it or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. But anyways, it's good. She'll have a sound bite of Anna saying that. And there's like, oh yeah. Instagram. It's just, just like process. put it. Certain on like random posts mm-hmm. and like yeah on that's Instagram. right yeah well what was that thing about like you know why is it how is it the angels fly and i mean obviously well because be like, they oh, take they wings, themselves obviously. lightly yeah because they take themselves lightly <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like that yeah chesterton. i think, and I think yeah it was, was a chesterton that. yeah mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
yeah, I believe that's true. You know, and that that's a big part of the process too, is just being like, partly viewing yourself as a toddler in a way. It, it, mm -hmm. Like I, I know I talk about like yeah. growing up and growing, you know, in, in, in responsibility and in, because we're all called to be mothers and fathers, no matter whether that is, that is in the natural sense mm -hmm. or otherwise. We need to grow into that, but in the, at the same time, we're children of God. Yeah. And and when we're falling over, I mean, the, you know, what kind of father when his, when his, when his kid's trying to walk is just like, ah, that is embarrassing. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, he's, he, he's, you know, I, I just have to see, I just have to see he's, you know, when I fall, he's just laughing, not at yeah. me, but, but just, <laughs> but just enjoying, in, enjoying being with me and, uh, yeah. and, and just really wanting to pick me up, you know? Yeah. And that is, I think that's a good way to take yourself lightly is to, and also a good way to be merciful to others. So a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, a lot of, even in my journey there, you know, it was, it was, um, a long time sort of, because I, I tended to self-blame a lot. You know, there was a lot of like, oh, my, everything's my fault, my fault. That's, I internalized problems. And it was, some people have more anger externally, you know, mm -hmm. this, this person did that to me. But I actually had to grow, grow in getting angry um, mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. acknowledging, you know, what has been done that's out of my control and maybe by other mm -hmm. people, maybe malevolent things or maybe just things that were said and they didn't mean to, but they just really, really hurt. Um, and... Um, you know, in talking about um, being a, you know, viewing myself as a child and, and, and allowing God to love me as a child, you know, that my falling is a bit more like, again, like a toddler or, you know, you know just a little baby learning to walk. Um, having that mindset and not taking myself seriously actually helped in healing when it came to starting to think about what others may have done to me, you know, you know things that could be maybe everyone has experiences in their families of origin, no matter how good your parents are, or just maybe things that teachers said or other kids said. But in viewing myself that way, it, it brought healing because I was able to start viewing others that way. Mm. When I'd start, mm. when I get those feelings and I say, where's this coming from? Where are the, what were the experiences that maybe even just in my subconscious where these wounds uh, opened up? And, and, but then when I started to you know, I remember I was sitting in front of in front of an icon. You know, I have the icon of Jesus, and I just, you know, put lit candles in my room, and I'm just praying there. And I started, I, I started thinking about a certain situation in my life when I was younger that just really, like, at the time, was almost traumatic. It just, it just broke me, and it was somebody else's fault. Mm. Um, and I, and I was both reflecting on on God's love for me as a child. And, and then I was journaling and I was like, I was praying for the other person who had, who had hurt me. And then my heart began to break uh, for that person, viewing them as that toddler, mm -hmm. that, that toddler that didn't always get their needs, needs met by their human experience, mm -hmm. right? And it's just, and I started to just view others differently because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that, yeah. and that started bringing more context, more, more data, and more, I think just a more true approach to who others are in light of God and who yeah. others are in, in light of how I interacted with them in life and in, in, in the hurt that, that their brokenness, you know, brought towards me and vice versa. And just started seeing other people as just like wounded children that are just loved so deeply. And then, it, mm -hmm. and then it became much easier for me to forgive and to love. 
and to and, face those wounds that like they people have maybe inflicted on you knowingly yeah. or unknowingly yeah. yeah no that's so good yeah oh man we reaching the end of our time what? not the end of i know, I know. We're having so much. Not the end of time as a whole. No. Yeah, not I mean, yet. Maybe. The apocalypse is among us. <laughs> I pray yeah. all the time, Jesus, I come. Seriously. Yeah, come, Lord Jesus. No, you you don't even pray. You're like, I think, Lord, it's time. That's what I do. I think Jesus yeah. is yeah. coming soon. You should be come. a real good time. <laughs> I think my timing is good timing, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like my timing. That's uh, yeah, he usually doesn't go for that. I don't know why, yeah, but he so doesn't. Much, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thanks so much, Jonathan. I feel like, yeah, I, so so much of what we talk about, we could just talk about for, for, for forever. But I think this, mm. for me anyways, it's a very relatable thing. Like we're talking about your journey and sobriety and all this kind of stuff. And it sounds like it's such a unique experience, but actually there's something so universal about what you're saying. And, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think, uh, you know, for us as disciples, you know, in the thicket, that's the whole point of this podcast is to say like, okay, we, ha- we have to deal with where we are and what, what we're feeling and what God is saying to us in that moment. Um, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like this was just delightful. It was great. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm it's a like, fan. Everybody needs to know I'm a fan of Thicket. That's true. So, yeah. That's, oh, you know that. Cool. I didn't. I did know that. I think. Yeah. Because I think Rachel said the, uh, that yeah. you uh, listened like, to some listens. of the episodes. He knows, like, he knows what we're it's about. It's so I fun. I know. It's also yeah. so fun to like. I would sometimes just send texts, be like, that was a good one, Rachel. Good one. <laughs> Which is so helpful. Like any listeners should know this. Any. Yeah. Thing nice that you have to say about us tell us we like we like <laughs> hearing right. nice yeah. things about us so that's right that's true yeah exactly and we can shout out too. like yeah constructive yeah. things too yes 100 yes, percent. we could true. shout out like a good shout out for this week would be um mr campanelli um oh my who- gosh mr campanelli mr campanelli i love you so much thank you so much for listening to every mm-hmm. to our podcast. so can He's you tell He's your old chaplain. Yes. So my, um, he sends us like lovely notes saying like, you know, could you, or like with his thoughts on episodes and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. really lovely. So, so good. Yeah. Mr. Campanelli. Campanelli. He is just such an amazing, holy guy. He's an awesome family. And, um, we like a bunch of us in high school just stayed in touch with him. Mm. Like ever since we were like, I'm in my thirties and I still keep in touch with him because he's just one of those people, you know, and he's been listening to our podcast. So thanks. Thanks, sir. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to shout out you while you're on the podcast with us. Shout yeah. out Jonathan Hillston. Inception. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Meta. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Sweet. And um, yeah, Nicole God has a fun God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited oh, yeah. for this one. Okay, so this is this is the story that I actually typically tell people like, oh, what's like one of your most embarrassing moments? And if I'm with a bunch of Catholics or people who will like get the this, this is the story that I tell. And the funny thing is, like Jonathan actually involves you, I think, I'm pretty sure that this is the memory. So this is like, gosh, six years ago-ish. And I was on, uh, I was in Ottawa for a CCO mission trip uh, to Mexico and we were having our training. And I think Jonathan, I had seen you perform in Toronto with Joe Zambon like mm. a few years previous. Yep. And so I have this thing where I like I remember people's faces. I mean, this is probably most people. You know, you remember people's faces, and then if you see them out of context, you're like, why do I know this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember we were getting a tour of the CCO um, like headquarters office, 
And then you were there and there's a few people sitting in the hallway and I saw, and I saw you and I was like, oh my gosh, I recognize this person. And then I completely zoned out and I'm pretty sure I just like stared at you until I figured out, oh, he's the musician. Yeah. I found that weird too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Very weird. It was, and then, but then I, as soon as I zoned in, I realized like there was people in the hallway because you were all putting the rosary together Mm -hmm. and I just like blurted out, interrupted the rosary. And I was, and I was just like, uh so anyways and then i was like wait okay, like you blurted you know out what? like oh that's him that's that guy yeah it was like oh i saw you perform at whatever <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah and then and then yeah. i yeah then i realized and blessed is the fruit of that womb jesus yeah exactly <laughs> literally literally yeah and so i was very embarrassed and then i was like you know what i'm just gonna like pretend this never happened and then i just I was like anyways and left the room and never came whatever and i was like okay whatever it's no one's gonna remember this stuff happens all the time whatever and then like three years later another cco staff who i guess was there moved to winnipeg where i was living at the time and uh so i introduced myself hey welcome to winnipeg whatever at some young adult and she was like oh i actually i think we've we haven't met, but I remember you. And she remembered me because she was in the hallway during that incident. So that funny. is how she knew who she I was. She was like so. deep in prayer and this like random person. Yeah, yeah like, this random person. Yeah. How could you forget? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, uh, I don't know if that's quite a God wink, but it's. Well, uh, here's the God wink. And now we're all in the podcast together. There we yeah, go. That's the God wink. Yeah, wink. another meta, meta God wink. Yeah, meta God wink. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a lot of those Inception Godwinks, meta, yeah, meta, like, awesome. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, God is outside of time, you know. So it's just true. and space and space. Yeah. yeah. Now we're gonna move into physics. <laughs> no. Meta. <laughs> no. Let's not. Let's not do that. But, oh. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh, Thank much. you, everybody. We had this is such a great conversation. We're so grateful that everybody who listens tunes in. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know if you if you have nice things to say about us, please let us know. If you have constructive criticism, let us know. Um, you can email us or follow us on Instagram at In the Thicket Podcast. But you right, can, well, if you have nice things, you can leave us a review. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. Apple mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts or wherever mm-hmm. you listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. God bless everybody. We'll hear, you'll hear from us, I guess, next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jazz hands. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.